2: And welcome to episode 101 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. This episode is brought to you thanks to our sponsor, Connected Data. Learn more about their product, Transporter, a private off-cloud storage device at filetransporter.com slash KMR. In our last episode, we celebrated our 100th episode with a special show that we highly recommend. We very much appreciate all the feedback we've gotten about the podcast. In this episode, we wanted to look at a commonly overlooked type of app that can be quite helpful
1: when you're using your favorite internet browser. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll talk about the world of browser apps, extensions, plugins, bookmarklets, and similar tools. In our second segment, we'll discuss how people are using hashtags as a form of commentary in social media and elsewhere, and as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But let's get started on our main topic, and that's browser apps and extensions. No matter whether you use Google Chrome or Firefox or you're still stuck using Internet Explorer, you have no doubt realized uh, the limitations of the browser from time to time. Although I think today's browsers are better than ever, they certainly are better than they were a number of years ago, uh, most of them really stick to their core competencies, and they don't try to provide too many additional bells and, and whistles. They there's some, but, but generally not a lot. That's where browser add-ons have, have, and add-ins have come on, uh, come on strong in the past couple of years. The term add-in can mean a whole lot. It, long ago, it meant bookmarklet. Uh, then the word to use was plug-in. I remember using plug-in a lot when I was doing with Firefox. Uh, and now we talk about extensions. I'm a, I'm a Chrome user now, and it's all about the extensions. No matter what they're called, though, they definitely have the potential to make your browser, browsing experience a lot more useful, a lot more effective, Dennis, would you add anything to this definition, and, and what's your history of using or maybe not using these apps?
2: Well, you know, I, I think that extension is, is sort of the the term that people have settled on lately, and, and I think that's a good way to uh, – it's really uh, descriptive, although I, I tend to think of them as browser apps, too, to cover that whole broad environment of things. But these sort of uh, – Either modify the behavior of existing features, or sort of extend out uh, the 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 capabilities of the browsers, or some of the features, or they might even add entirely new features uh, to to a browser. Um, so, so I think that there's that sense and of them, and uh, and and so they can be quite helpful. So my history is, is like you tell me as I kind of rolled through the different browsers. When I was in Firefox, I know I used a lot of add-ons um, to do a lot of uh, different things. So there were ad blockers. I know I I FTP files you know through through a Firefox add-on, and there's a whole number of, of things that can kind of change your experience in a lot of way or. Add. Additional functionality. Then, as I over the last couple years, as I kind of went. Left Firefox and went, tried different browsers and sort of half in the Windows world, half in the Mac world. I went away from those and just went with the basic browser because I didn't have continuity. So I, I, I didn't want to change the experience in the browser and have it different depending on what I was using, where I was at. And so I in the last month or so, I started thinking about them again because I've sort of, at least in... in uh for most of my personal stuff, I'm on the Mac, and I'm I'm primarily using Chrome and and Safari also, uh, and and I thought. There are some good tools out there, and as we get as uh, Google Reader is going to go away, I know the friendly, as I under, or is it friendly or feedly? I guess it is that that is the alternative or an alternative. I think is really an extension of sorts. So I started to look at that, and it seems like, and it made me rethink about what extensions do and how they can customize things. And so um, I thought it'd be a good topic for the podcast time, and and. To a little bit of my surprise, you agreed immediately. So, so what interests you about extensions? And and I know you were saying that you use uh, a lot more than I do
1: these days. Well, you know, I didn't use to. And when you started talking about Firefox, that's really where I started to use extensions and and plugins a lot more. I, I had the ad blocker, which I think has always been the most popular one. Um, didn't use a lot of other plugins in in Firefox, and I'll talk about why in just a little bit. But but I guess maybe we should distinguish uh, and, and, and kind of level set for, for everything what we're talking about here, because at its most basic and, and what I've been using for years uh, before the extensions came along, before things that plugged directly into the browser came along were the simple bookmarklets. So uh, if you're at a, at, a, at a website and they say, just take this bookmarklet, that just take this link and drag it onto a toolbar on your browser. And then you can take advantage of the services of our site. So if you use Bitly, for example, to shorten your URLs, you can drag a book, bookmarklet, uh, so that you've got now a button on your menu bar that you can, whenever you happen to be on a website, you can just click that button, and it will go ahead and, and and create a shortened URL for you. I've always thought that the bookmarklets were a little bit primitive. They were they were workarounds for 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 services that couldn't provide an extension or some sort of plug-in, and so I've, I've even though I use a couple of them, I've really gotten away from using them. And and you know, after we talked about this, I, I, I use an, quite a number of extensions, but they work more behind the scenes than anything else. I don't really actively work on them. So I, I went and did some research. I really think that, since the Chrome browser came out, uh, I think that we've seen a real explosion in the the number of, of extensions and the utility of these extensions. So I just went to the Chrome extension st- store to to kind of look and, and do some exploring to see what's available. And you know they have cat- they have extensions in all categories. They've got it in business and education, entertainment, games, lifestyle, news and weather, productivity, social communications, utilities, and just looking at the front page of the extension store. Um, You know, there are extensions. I found an extension for Google Dictionary. You can view definitions for words. There's an attachment app that easily takes all the attachments from your Gmail account and puts them into your Dropbox account or into a SkyDrive account or something like that. There's a Facebook extension, so you can easily get to Facebook within your browser. There's a a web spell checker. There's a send to Kindle, so that whenever you press the button, it will automatically take whatever web page you're looking at and and create a Kindle document out of it and and send it to your Kindle and, and store it there. So, uh, and, and then again, there's a big, a big thing there for ad block that says it's the number one, number one extension in the, in the store. So I I'm just tremendously impressed by the breadth of, uh, Uh, The uh, the breadth of of extensions that are out there but you know when I I, I will tell you and I'm gonna kind of just talk about a couple of the extensions that I use uh, most of the extensions that I use supplement tools that I use elsewhere so uh, they are tools that I want to be able to communicate with using my browser so the main extensions I use are my LastPass. LastPass is an extension within Chrome so that whenever I go to a website I can either it either easily installs uh, and inserts the password and login information for me or I can click a button generate a password it all gets filled in very easily using that extension um, I've recently uh, and maybe this is the subject for another podcast I've recently started using pocket formally read mm, formally read it later Um, I've started using that over Instapaper lately so I have the Pocket extension on my browser I absolutely rely completely on the Evernote extension to clip web pages and there's actually an extension for for your Gmail too so that you can save a page in Gmail directly into Evernote it's called PowerBot it's a great one and there's a Bitly extension for Chrome those are the ones I think I use the most and I'll talk about some more later that I think are also useful but, but Dennis, kind of what's been your, you're your, your trying to get back into it. Have you, you know, based on your research, what are you finding out about extensions that might be useful for you?
2: Well I think that 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 help that notion of helper extensions I, I think is a really good one and and so when you talk about the evernote one and and things like that uh, so uh, are really interesting because then it it sort of makes in a sense a one click or much simpler way to use those as part of as part of your web experience so when i I checked before the podcast what I'm doing because I knew i was I was really lean on extensions. In Chrome, I I only have, and in Safari, I only have one thing that shows up as an extension. And you you can look at, uh, at least on the Mac, in your preferences in the browser, and and you'll see what extensions you have installed, Um, which is one password, which does the same password thing that that you're talking about. Um, And then then I also have uh, a bookmarklet for Google Bookmarks, which... You know, hopefully, my all my bookmarks won't (laughs) go to die someday. But but it just allows me to to click on that and and basically add uh, you know bookmark a page into Google bookmarks. So is sort of uh, again, it's a one click pops up a a a little. you know, table or a little little window to put the information in. So that those are sort of the classic things. But I start to look, to so I said, oh, there's the Evernote stuff. There are some other things, and then then also looking back at in Firefox, there, there were some really cool things you could do to to change the interface so it's like in gmail and other things that you could there there might be features or views or color changes or adding buttons or anything like that that you could do through through the firefox add-ons that again is something that you could do with an extension, you know, possibility of of adding uh, features, you know, like the, you know, So I use the Google bookmarks, but a bookmark organizer, uh, development tools. Sometimes you want to, uh, at least in in other years, I don't do so much now. I would want to look at the code on a, a web page, and there there are extensions that would do that. And and then, you know, potentially to, to change the ways that, uh, I would say more to customize what you see. So you might be able to, to change the font automatically sort of behind the scenes or make it appear, uh, you know, bigger, smaller, that sort of thing, or uh, to take a little bit more control. So to build in that extra functionality. So I sort of say, well, if I start to look at those extensions and I choose them well, maybe I can uh, get rid of some of the things that are, maybe they're not that big of annoyances, but I would sometimes say, oh, I wish this didn't do this or this didn't do that. And with an extension, you might be able to customize your browser experience to something that's, that's more suitable to to you and so so i think that's that's interesting and that's what what got me thinking and then also i think um as you were you were saying tom that it does look like in the chrome area there's so much stuff going on there that it it seems uh that i really need to look into that and kind of revisit the whole notion
1: well and 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 really what as far as I'm concerned the, the main advantage and if we're going to start talking kind of about the benefits and the disadvantages one of the main advantages I think to using Chrome is the fact that you can sync your extensions across all of your devices, so you're not going to have that uh, that that disconnected experience by using. And, you know, obviously, if you're using the Safari browser, you will have that, but you're you're able to go from computer to computer and have the the same extensions installed on all of your browsers, which I think is one of the the, the nice benefits of of Chrome and something that I think it does better than the other browsers wind up doing. Now, I will say that 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 the, the the first level of extensions that I use happen to be those that sort of are helper extensions but the other the second level really are things that work behind the scenes like you're talking about but mine kind of do things the ones that I've you know I went and looked at the extensions that I use on a regular basis and mine kind of help behind the scenes in a different way for example one of my you know I'm getting ready to go on a big vacation and uh, over to Europe and um, and so I've had this installed for a while but it's come in handy much recently much more recently is that there's a Google Translate extension so that whenever I visit a website that is in a, a different language it will automatically translate that page for me so that I can read whatever it happens to say and and I, it is just an amazing amazing app that does that without me even having to, to do anything um, I use remember the milk for my uh, for for my uh, to-do list for my tasks and there's an, an extension that actually improves remember the milk it helps in uh, in the in the Chrome browser, it just makes it a more pleasant and and useful experience. And then I also have Norton as my internet security. And there's a Norton extension that will scan all the websites that I go to and will block me from unsafe websites or let me know when something's happening or when I'm being attacked or things like that uh, through my browser. So, uh, like I said, the, like you, both of us have said, there are so many ways that we can we can work with with extensions like this. I, I will say, and and, and then I'll turn this over to you. I will say that that you <laughs> If the benefits of using them are that you can have them on all your, your computers and that you're, you know, extending the power of your browser, to me, the two main disadvantages um, that I see sort of feed off of each other. Uh, the first is just having too many extensions. Uh, just You know, just reading that list that I've been using, um, maybe you want to go try, try out a couple of apps in the and in the, in, in, in extensions in the, in the Google Chrome store. And before you know it, you've got 40 extensions and they're all trying to work at the same time. Which leads to the what I think is the biggest problem, the main disadvantage, and that is these extensions are memory hogs. It's one of the main reasons why I went away from Firefox because the plugins were just eating up too much too much memory. But the same is, is with Chrome. I mean each individual extension uses up some memory. And and it's easy for your browser to get bogged down and your whole system to get bogged down with them. So I, I, I really try to be selective with the types of extensions that I use. And I don't have a lot of extensions running at one time. I don't know how you feel about that, Dennis. But that, to me, is the main disadvantage I see from using extensions.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, when I think of pros and cons, I, I sort of say that, so here's your browser, which you spend lots of time in um you know on the internet and the fact that you can customize it to you want to what you want is great um there are also these great and it's sort of like a category of these things a little bit different uh, i would call plugins where you can put like the acrobat in so you can just like you know press a button save a web page and and uh, as a pdf do those sorts of things um so so there's some really powerful stuff out there and so you get this great you know sort of Tailored experience that will really help you uh, when you when you're brow- you know, using the browser. Uh, but the flip side is that yeah, it can, sometimes it can be a little quirky, and sometimes like especially in the early days of Firefox, certain things wouldn't work. Or you go to new version of a browser, and, and the browser versions, although we don't pay that much attention to it, seem to change you know pretty rapidly. So you may find this great extension that you were using no longer works in a newer browser cuz it hasn't caught up or you know hasn't hasn't updated and then what i think is is the the real difficulty, if you're moving around to to different computers or using you know uh, different browsers in different locations uh, where you you don't have it synced, is you can get really confused. You know, because you're you're saying, "Oh, this is this is great." No, but I can't do this here, and what happened to this there? Or you're troubleshooting for somebody, say like your parents or whatever, and you're and you're going like. What's wrong with this browser? Because it doesn't do all the things you expect, and so you start to take a lot of things for for granted. And, and because you do have that sort of customized approach, and. Which I think time is something we, we talk about from time to time, which is this, I don't know what you would call it, segmentation or, um, you know, what's the impact as you get more personalized and use different, different things in different ways. So it's, you can't just say, oh, well, all you need to do to fix that is you go to this menu, drop down to this item, because there's a bunch of extensions running that you know, change the interface and change the experience.
1: Well, I think that's right. I I I know that it is becoming much harder to provide tech support to people because they have such customized experiences, and uh, and you never know what somebody's going to have running that's going to cause a problem with a browser. And I think we can extend that to just about anything because because as we get to a more customized society, I think that's going to be uh, going to be the main issue. Is it? it it's going to be really hard to to diagnose problems because everybody's going to be running something slightly different. And it's going to affect everybody in a slightly different way. So um, that, that's, I think, going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. Dennis, uh, what, what do you think is, is, is the takeaway here? What's our, let's take us out of this first segment and, and talk about some conclusions you might have about uh, this whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, like I said, I moved, I pulled back from it so much because I was,
2: you know, trying to decide which browser I was going to land on. I knew I was moving away from Firefox, and but now I'm sort of thinking about going back. And, you know, and so, but then, so I, I just went simple everywhere. Um, but I think it's time to go back into it. And I think you're right, Tom, when you go to that Chrome extension store, you just say, oh, look at all these things things i can try and so i i think uh you know if we if we look about lawyers and can they benefit from from these extensions i i think yes and in a in a lot of ways i think you've given some some great examples i think the password uh you know plugins are great uh and and there's some other things out there uh you know translation dictionary all those things that you were talking about and and other things as well and then also customizing your interface which you know because sometimes um that can be a big help to people um, you know who, who might have uh difficulty seeing things or would like to organize things in a little bit different way so um i think that i think there's a lot of benefit and it's and it's worth exploring and and like i said i, I was a little bit surprised how in enthused you were about this topic when i suggested it time so uh because so because i i just didn't know because i feel i had st- stepped away from it so long but uh i i just think it's it's you know everybody seems to focus on the smartphone and the tablet apps you know and deservedly so but but you know sort of right there in front of you on on the browsers there's some some really interesting opportunities
1: i think you're right and and i you know and one of the reasons why why i readily accepted it is because i've sort of i i sort of been more uh enamored of using extensions lately and, and if I find a tool that I like, I am always pleasantly surprised if there's an extension available to for it and, and that I can go and download something that will help. So, you know, I am all about making things more efficient um for, for for doing things on the computer. And that's where I think the main benefit for for lawyers is, is to find those extensions that help you be more efficient. And and a lot of these extensions can do that for you. So, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor.
0: Hi, this is Amy Thompson with Legal Talk Network, and we're talking with Jim Sherhart of Connected Data about their product named Transporter. Jim, how does Transporter help attorneys?
1: Transporter is for attorneys who want to use cloud services like Dropbox, but don't because of privacy concerns. Transporter gives the convenience of cloud services plus 100% privacy and full control over where confidential information is physically stored. It shares files with colleagues, syncs between computers, makes off-site backups, or gives remote access using a PC, Mac, iPad, or iPhone. Learn more and see how attorneys are using Transporter at wwwfiletransportercom forward slash KMR.
0: We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
1: Now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm
2: Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we want to talk about the way people are starting to use hashtags in places other than Twitter as a form of... Meta commentary, if, if, if I can use that word. We've talked about hashtags on the podcast before, but I've noticed a big change recently in the way that people, including me, are using hashtags as a form of quick commentary. Tom, am I crazy to think that this is actually
1: an interesting development? Uh, you're not crazy, but I hesitate to think that we are wandering into more of a cultural discussion than a technological discussion. Um, I, but I guess we probably should start at the beginning and, and maybe explain more what we're talking about. You know, when Twitter, for those of you who don't spend a lot of time on Twitter, when Twitter first debuted, I'm pretty sure that they only intended that the hashtag was going to serve as a tool for, for searching for relevant content. You can run a search on a term like hashtag Super Bowl, and you could see what other People are saying about the Super Bowl, um, and it was a great tool for being able to to search Twitter and keep track and monitor um, what people were saying about certain topics. But at some point, people began to create hashtags that represented how they're feeling at the moment, that nobody else was using, that searching on it really is either a waste of time or or, or it just doesn't result in a whole lot. But, ha- you know, one of my favorites um, has been the first world problems hashtag. So where people will say things in a tweet like, you know, it's, it's so hard to eat this delicious ice cream with a fork, I wish I had a spoon. Hashtag first world problems. And, you know, other, other will create you know Twitter competitions that they will mark with a hashtag. And when we were at Tech Show, David Pogue talked about uh, talked about the uh, the competition that was called a uh, hashtag failed movie prequels, where people would come up with titles to movies that that would have failed as as prequels. And his his favorite one was uh, was the penultimate Mohican, uh, which I think is a good name for a hashtag failed movie prequel. But I think TV shows are really even getting into the act as well which is interesting as I'm watching a TV show when something happens where it's interesting or dramatic or it's sad or it's funny a hashtag is going to appear that you know on the screen like hashtag is Jamie pregnant uh, and and which that's implicitly encouraging you to go on Twitter and uh, and tweet and talk about it and uh, I, you know what's clear to me is that the hashtags not going anywhere I, I think that that as people are using it more for this meta commentary reason I, I I have to admit uh, I am ashamed to admit that I'm not very good at, at the meta commentary I would if my hashtag would be is hashtag I am bad at hashtags but uh, I don't know Dennis uh, wh- where do you think that uh, that we're headed right now and, and what does this mean and why are we talking about it?
2: Well, I, because I, I find myself doing it more, using it more often. So I used to say that, you know, 140 characters Hardly gave me room to do anything. Now I'm, I'm finding out that you know I'm looking forward to you know, not only saying what I want to say in Twitter, well within 140 characters, but I want to add a you know a clever hashtag that that you know comments on or, or gives a little more ex you know explanation about about what's going on or but but it's really interesting. I saw my daughter when she started using Twitter would do this, and I was like, well, that's really interesting. She has a real knack for, you know a knack for that. And, and, uh, and then I've, I've run into other people who seem to be using it. And I sort of think of it in a way as sort of like th- those thought bubbles you see in cartoons. So you can kind of, you say something and you're making a, a comment, you know, like so you could, you might tweet or, you know, instant message somebody and say, yes, I'm really enjoying this party. And then do like hashtag get me out of here, you know. And so you can, you can sort of make that comment. And so, uh, I was telling my uh, social media savvy friend Amanda today about that we might be talking about this and we ended up texting back and forth for a fairly extended uh, number of, of texts that was all in this, this sort of snarky hashtag commentary approach. And so I think you can do it as sort of saying, here's what I'm really saying, or here's what I'm really thinking as the hashtag or sort of a snarky or ironic comment or else something that actually comments um, um on what you think about something you know so like you say well there's that first world problem thing or you could say uh, you know must read or you know something like that where you' you're saying I've I'm actually putting in this category since the hashtags originally were this way to kind of categorize things but the categories uh, become more unique and more descriptive and also communicate more So you sort of in this 140 characters now can almost have, sort of say one thing and comment about it in sort of two different ways in that same small space. Now I, I think you're right, Tom, is this technology, is this relate to the practice of law or is it a cultural thing? I think it's more of a cultural thing, but, but I think it's that it points to the way we're sort of condensing how we communicate and the sort of way that lawyers communicate in the sort of long extended fashion Uh, you know, the letters that that lawyers write and that sort of thing, I I think is getting trickier as people are, uh, you know, have much more dense and and sort of multi-level communication in a short, in a short space. So that's where I think is the interesting thing is happening. And so, so maybe I'm a little crazy about it because I think it's really fun, but I I think it may have potential down the, or, or some, have some impact down the line. So now it's time for our parting chats. That one tip website or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna mention a site today, and uh, I am going to mention this for your friends who forget the who, who, the username and password for their routers. I'm not going to say this applies to you, but I'm going to say this, this might apply to your friends who can't remember the username and password of the router if you need to, to get into it and, and make changes to it. If you go to routerpasswords.com and then you select the different router make that you have, whether it's a Belkin or a Linksys or another type of router um, it will then give you a list of all of the current models of that router and it will give you the default username and password for each one so if you haven't gone in and made the change or i'm sorry if your friend hasn't gone in and made the change to the username and password you've got that information and can go in and 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 do that if you happen or your friend happens to lose that information routerpasswords.com Yeah, Tom, if you tweeted that routerpasswords.com, you could use
2: the hashtag asking for a friend. I could do that. So my uh, parting shot is uh, a blog post from our friend Jordan Furlong at Law 21. And uh, it's called Nine Steps to a Presentation that Won't Leave Your Audience Hating You. And I think it's interesting as a discussion point because it's sort of one of those prescriptive lists of how you you know should and should not give presentations and, and do's and don'ts. And I think it's an interesting starting point because I think that you can uh follow every rule that Jordan uh sets out there and give a really not good presentation. And I also think you can break every single rule on his list and give a fantastic uh presentation. So I think it's good as a starting point Um, And a way to discuss things. But I I think that when I think about uh, presentations and in Jordan's article, which which I think has some really good points, um, is that. There's this thing you need to consider: what the audience's needs are, and what the who the audience is, and what you want to get across, and the message you want to get across. And I think it's one of the, when I see these lists, it's one of these things where you say you need to do this, you can't hold your hand, you know, you need to do this with your hands, you can't use PowerPoint, you can't do this, and and you'll find a zillion examples of great speakers who break all of those rules. And so um, I think it's a good starting point to think about technique. But uh, it, what it should do is. is is uh, when you look when you read this is to think about what the message is and who the audience is.
1: So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes at the at uh, lawtechnologytoday.org or at the Legal Talk Network site. Our archives of previous podcasts are still available uh, in iTunes and on the Legal Talk Network site. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, Topics, please email us at tkmreportgmail.com at or send us a tweet at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.
2: And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help out the podcast by putting a review on iTunes.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book. A Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies. Smart ways to work together from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report only on the Legal Talk Network.